looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world. But I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live zoom calls with your favorite stars you can do personalized videos for people greetings of some sort they just have many options so if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions check them out and see the options they have signaturedhorror.com that's right signaturehorror.com Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Howdy folks, Clint Valarchuk here, former NHL goaltender, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. So, the gentleman on the line now is joining us a couple days after joining us for a virtual event we did, which is awesome. But let's go a little more in-depth about him. 338 games in the NHL, but good or bad, depending on how you look at it, 
is remembered for one particular gruesome injury and probably considered the most gruesome injury in sport history. However, also, he has hid, or he, I should say, he hid mental illnesses during most of his life that, that eventually spiraled out of control and eventually led him to where he's at now. And I've been saying this since we spoke the other day as part of our event. It's awesome to see such a positive mindset where you're at now. And it seems like you're at true peace with yourself. This guest, Clint Malachuk. How you doing, sir? I'm very good. Very good. That's a great intro, I guess. But, uh, you know, I don't want to mislead people either. I still, uh, I still struggle with mental illness, you know, but not to the degree where it was so dominant in my life and out of control. Um, I have to work at uh, a few things to keep my balance and, uh, you know, medication, meditation, working out, uh, being of service is, is the main thing that I really like to, uh, uh, for me anyways, it's just so gratifying to be a service to public speak, to have people come up to you after, uh, or people that have read my book, uh, email me and, and say that it helped them and that they are going to go get help and they've, you know, in other words, I feel like I'm trying to break down the stigma that goes with mental illness. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guilt and shame for people, and there shouldn't be. Um, it's a, it's definitely a, uh, you know, a, a sickness and not a weakness in people. And the the injury you're talking about at the, at the top there was, uh, you know, in 1989, I severed my jugular vein playing for the Buffalo Sabres. And, uh, you know, almost died. And what people need to understand, I think, is that I really thought I was dying. I was preparing for death. Uh, I got off the ice. I skated off the ice uh, uh, on my own power. And people were impressed with that. But the reason I did that is I didn't want my mother mm -hmm. to, to see me on TV and, and, and you know, watch her son die on, on the ice. And uh, she was watching the game in Canada on TV. And... Uh, you know, I asked a trainer, I asked one, hold my hand, I'm going to die. And another trainer, I said, well, you call my mom and tell her I love her. So, you know, basically, I guess what I'm trying to emphasize is I truly thought I was dying. So with that uh, is, is trauma. And I've been predisposed to depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder from, from, a, from a kid. And so with trauma, if you're predisposed, predisposed to some of these things, uh, they will explode. And that's what happened to me. I got through that year, uh, you know, I came back real quick, 10 days, I think. And as soon as the stitches came out of my neck, I was back. And people really thought that was, uh, you know, courageous and gritty. And, and I became somewhat of a, a cult hero, even to this day in, in upstate New York. And, uh, but whether it was the right thing to do or not, I don't know. Counseling wasn't offered, and I didn't think of it either for the trauma. Uh, the, the extent of my counseling was uh, myself and Jim Pizzatelli, our medical trainer, went out on the ice in our street clothes and stood in front of the net. And we kind of looked around and said, this is where it happened. This, are you good? I'm good. We kind of give a bump and, you know, our fists, and away we went. And that was the extent of my, uh, my counseling. It was the next season where things really started to fall apart for me. Uh, I started to have nightmares, flashbacks, um, 
my OCD became really difficult to handle. I was having trouble just leaving the house uh, to go to practice. And uh, panic attacks, uh, depression, anxiety, you name it. And it just exploded. And, and I just uh, tried to push through. I didn't tell anybody. And then uh, we had a Super Bowl party at uh, our captain's house, Pat LaFontaine. And I hadn't slept in 10, 10 nights. So I was very, very sleep deprived. I didn't stay long at the party, maybe 30 minutes. And I went back uh, to my house and uh, I was playing with a fractured thumb. So I had some painkillers and I wasn't really taking them much, but I was going to take them to try and sleep because it said, do not drink with alcohol. We'll make you drowsy. So I took a, a few extra thinking, okay, I'm going to sleep tonight because I really need it. Um, and I drained a bottle of scotch <laughs> yeah. and that caused my heart to stop. And so in the hospital, uh, the next day, the psychiatrist comes in and, and wants to know what's going on. Was it a suicide attempt or because it kind of looked like it. And uh, I said, no, no, sir. I, I haven't been sleeping at all for 10, 10 nights. I have nightmares, flashbacks, um, you know, and that's why I don't sleep. I don't want to see that skate come up anymore and uh, relive that trauma. So, you know, basically, I, for the first time in my life, I was diagnosed with mental illness, you know panic attacks, uh, OCD, depression, and anxiety. But it was a, a two year, two and a half years of different uh, medications and different doctors and different specialists and nothing was really working. And my play started to really decline too. And uh, that's when I went to the minors and devastated to get sent to the minors, feeling my NHL days were done. And um, my first game in, in the minors, I let in four goals on six shots in the first period. And uh, even for me, that's not very good. I got pulled and I remember going in after the game to our coach and I said, I, I got to retire. I can't function. And he was like, well, it was just a bad game. Don't worry about it. I go, no, no, you don't understand what's going on in my head. And he said, I thought you had that all kind of under control. And, um, and, and, and I said, no, I've been seeing doctors and specialists and medication. Nothing's worked. So he got me in to see this world famous doctor is in Southern California. And that's what changed for me. Uh, he got me on a great medication. Um, he got me, uh, you know, basically uh, re resurrected my career. And then I went into coaching. So my life really turned around for a long, long time. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things there that I wanted to hit on, but we started, you started there with the introduction and wanting to clear the air a little bit. Overall, though, Obviously, like you said, you got to work at it and everything. But do you feel like you're in your best place now because of everything you do to that works for you, whether it be meditation, the working out, the medication, combination of everything? I, I uh, yeah, I, I'm in a good place now for sure. Um, but I, I, I just uh, I don't want to downplay the fact that I have to work at it. I have I have a structure to keep my balance, to keep my mental balance. And, you know, like I said, uh, medication is very important to me. Uh, some people don't like medication, but uh, I don't like the alternative, <laughs> you know, and if you're a diabetic, you are going to go on medication. You have to. So there's or no doubt a heart issue or right. Right. And there's no difference, just a different organ. Mine's the brain and it doesn't produce enough serotonin. And that's the, the feel good chemical that the brain uh, produces and I don't produce enough of that. So I take an enhancer that helps me produce more serotonin. 
but I think it's important uh, to understand that, you know, I do have to do things. And, you know, like I said, I work out every day. Uh, I have a physical job, uh, you know, where I'm a horse dentist and a horse chiropractor. So being around the animals is therapeutic for me. But um, I think, uh, you know, working out uh, meditation, I do that when I get feeling uh, squirrely or anxious, I take a time out and kind of ground myself. And then, like I said, being a service, being the public speaker and doing podcasts and uh, interviews and getting feedback from my book, all those things are are uh, part of my program. And I think about this, and this really clicked for me because I have my share of depression and such as well. I happened to be at a beef and beer or a fundraiser, whatever the case was. And at the event, I was having a couple drinks with a family friend who happens to be a visit, regular mm-hmm. uh, family doctor who also was my primary care. And the thing that, as far as we were talking about my mental health and just everything, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, how's this going? How's that going? But he was not only because of his profession, but as a friend asking these questions. And he goes, think about it this year, this way. I said, what do you got? He goes, because, you know, got to always be open to suggestions and stuff, especially with this type of thing. He goes, think about it. If it was something physical, whether you broke your leg or you had a heart or you had something like this, we can see 100% in how to treat it. We can figure it out, something physical. Mm-hmm. Mental health, we don't have, we can't fully see it. So it's so hard to, for not the same treatment will work for everybody is what he was getting at. And also what you said, medication is not the end all be all, but it's a big help to folks. Yeah. So, but well, just the way he explained it was just, it was a big aha moment for me. Yes. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Um, and and <clears throat> that's why uh, <clears throat> it's a hard, a hard uh, disease to treat too, because uh, uh, like you said, some medications uh, don't work for some people and they work for other people. So it's a process of trying to find the right medication. And usually with antidepressants or uh, serotonin enhancers, um, it takes about six weeks to find out if it works or not. And so if it doesn't work, that's six weeks. Now you got to go on another one for another six weeks. And it, it's a trial and error. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, um, once you nail it, it's, it's worth the, you know, I, I remember when I first got healthy after a six weeks of a certain uh, drug and I went, I said to the doctor when I went in for my weekly uh, check-in with him at week six, I said, is this what it feels like to be normal? And I was very serious. Um, I was like, I was overwhelmed and he goes, you're doing good. Huh? And I said, absolutely. I, I, I've never felt this good in my life. So well, I want got one question as far as the injury goes, then we can move on. Steve Turtle, I haven't seen it brought up, but did you guys ever have a conversation? Because it was such a freak thing. Well, and I know it wasn't of purpose. Right. It was an accident. And and I'd read somewhere or heard somewhere that he was struggling with nightmares as well. And I, lo- I know a lot of people that were at the game. There were people passing out with all the blood on the ice and two heart attacks that I heard about. Um 
you know, it, it was uh, very real for a lot of people. Uh, but I heard he was struggling. I reached out to him and and I, I just left a voicemail on his on his phone uh, just saying, hey, I know it was an accident. I hope you're, you know, uh, processing uh, how it happened and, you know, you, that you do well, get get over it like I'm trying to. So, yeah, um, um, I did reach out to him for sure. Yeah, I'm no Dr. Phil or anything like that, but I think it would be. I just play one on on here but right. it just see it just seems like that if you two actually got together and had a conversation it, it might be yeah. good for both sides right um yeah but you know that's that's been uh 30 years ago i think we're over it but yeah, yeah okay. i think it, i think it would have been uh therapeutic for both of us well it's funny because and i should bring this up here as well uh unfortunately liam's not with us today and you notice as well as i do he is like a walking Google machine when it comes oh to my God. you. Uh, you he's you something else, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful guy. It's great. I'm glad to call him a friend, but yeah, very good guy. As far as, and we talked about this the other day, or he, I, sh I should say he brought this up, especially from your time in Quebec, that rivalry with Montreal. What made that yep. so special? Well, I think that they're very passionate, number one, in, in Quebec, the province of Quebec. They're passionate uh, hockey fans. And, uh, you know, the cities are only a couple hours apart. Um, it, 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 it was just a, a geographics, I'm sure, had something to do with it, you know, being that close together. But they're just a rabid, passionate hockey base there. And uh, if you're a Nordique fan, you are nothing but a Nordique fan. And, and the same with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. If you're a Canadiens fan, you were nothing but. And so it, it was a, it was an intense rivalry. Every game, not just the playoffs, but every game, even, even if we played them in preseason game, it would be packed and it would be vocal. Well, obviously doing that particular rivalry, uh, I should mention, and I know you joked about it the other day, the Good Friday Massacre. Now, to let folks know, there was over 252 penalty minutes assessed, and 10 players, including yourself, were injected. Uh, <laughs> what, for, the, for those who might not be familiar with this particular game or incident, what actually, was that all because of the passion, or was there something previous games leading up to this? I think it was just the passion and the intensity of that rivalry. Also, the uh, the uh, it was a playoff game, and you know, I didn't know Liam brought it up the other day. Uh, uh, I I was I was the backup goalie. I was in, I didn't play a minute of that game yet. I got 15 minutes in penalties and got thrown out of the game. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> now, was that the same uh, game you were talking about as far as getting stitches and a coach didn't want to play you or? No, no, no. That was uh, that was uh, a, my first NHL game that I played, um, probably the year before, or maybe maybe it was a pre. It wasn't a uh, playoff game; it was a regular season game. Yeah, that was uh, in warmups. I had to get stitches. Uh, I got hit in the head with a slap shot and uh, had to get some stitches. And the coach came in and said, you don't, you know, play He's French Canadian, you know, play tonight. And I'm like, no, I'm playing. I'm not missing a chance. It was my first uh, crack at the NHL. Oh yeah. Well, 
for most people who might not be familiar with your style of play, and I would agree with this, and I'm sure Liam would too, and he probably will send us a message afterwards when he hears this. You definitely, as far as the physical aspects of the game, played old school. So what would you say your strengths and weaknesses were as far as playing? Well, I, I think my reflexes, I, you know, I was quick. And uh, I was good on my feet. Like I was a good skater, even without the pads on, you know, playing as a kid, uh, playing forward or something. Uh, I lived on the ice. So I, I, I was a pretty good skater. I think uh, probably those two things were my best assets. Um, I studied the game hard too. I studied shooters. I studied uh, teams and, and their, how they uh, attacked offensively. So, you know, I was, I was a, you know, a student of the game as well. <clears throat> And obviously you saw a lot of greats throughout your time and even before and since, but as far as your time on the ice, was there a particular player or players you thought were the best? Well, I played in the area era of Gretzky and Lemieux. So those two guys, uh, you know, stand out. I remember Liam saying Bobby Orr and, but you know, as a kid, when Bobby Orr played, you know, uh, I didn't play against them. So the guys that stood out to me, again, uh, you know, the Islanders uh, in the early 80s when I was just starting, uh, the New York Islanders were a powerhouse and Stanley Cup champions. And uh, they, they, were, they were unbelievable. You know, Mike Bossy could really uh, shoot the puck. And, uh, you know, they had Trotche and Gillies and Billy Smith in gold. I mean, they were quite the, uh, quite the uh, – force back then and then of course Edmonton started to gain momentum and overtook that I guess dynasty uh, dynasty title exactly and the one story before we get post NHL I thought was funny and I just read this today and we know everything on the internet is true (laughs) folks we we know that to be true but there was a story I was reading where an old teammate of yours Dale Hunter was kind of ribbing you and kind of encouraging you during it when you got an opportunity to meet president Reagan. What was that story? <laughs> oh, well, we were with the Washington capitals and uh, it was a preseason game against the, it was an Olympic year. So we played the uh, U S Olympic team and then we were all invited. Both teams were invited to the white house and we were in the Rose garden and uh, president Reagan was, uh, you know, addressing, he was speaking and I was at the very <laughs> very end of the lineup of, of the receiving when he was done speaking, he was going along, shaking everybody's hand. And, uh, I was, Dale was ribbing me. There was a, a secret service guy beside me. So I started giving it to the secret service guy, but then all of a sudden Ronald Reagan's in front of me. And, and, uh, uh, I said, Oh, Hey Ron, how are you? And, you know, kind of startled. And, and I shake his, I shake his hand and we started talking about, uh, the cowboy movie, he, he, being a cowboy myself, uh, you know, he did a lot of Westerns when he was an actor. So, um, you know, we started talking about that. And there was an old uh, actress, uh, Barbara Steinweck was her name. <laughs> I asked him if he ever took a run at that. And he he laughed and kind of giggled and said, no, but she was pretty. I would have liked to. And, of course, we were just joking around, you know. And, and he, he was quite the gentleman. And uh, I think people, uh, I know my, our PR uh, 
uh, representative was going, oh, no, Malarchuk's talking to the president. This can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much uh, ribbing did you get post that? Because like you said, the PR guy's going, oh, no. And you know, like where the teammates go. Yeah, it, 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 oh, they were joking. Everybody thought it was pretty funny. I mean, there, there was I didn't ca- catch any flack. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, everybody was kind of, uh, um, you know, just laughing about it, you know, because I was kind of a goofy guy, They'd do stupid things. And and so they just kind of expected it from, uh, from Clint me. being Clint, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, obviously you mentioned earlier about going into the minors. Then I know you retired with Las Vegas. But mm-hmm. during that same time period when I was reading this morning, I thought it was entertaining. And I don't, I'm guessing you were thinking post career with this, that you got some horses as part of your agreement. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the reason I did that, I was going through a divorce and, and I, I was being interviewed after that. So I, I was, I think I got uh, two horses as a signing bonus. And then for every year I play, I get another horse or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but uh, um, I was going through a divorce and I, I was being interviewed one time and I, the reporter asked me, said, that's got to be the first contract in pro sports negotiated with livestock. And I, he goes, why is that? And I said, well, I'm going through a divorce and if she wants half a horse, I know what she and she'll get. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know, because of that, did you think you would get into what you're doing now with the horses and everything else like that? No, that, you know, I've always been a horseman. I've always been a cowboy, you know, grew up that way. And, um, you know, I was coaching and I was kind of in between coaching jobs. In fact, they had hired a new GM and the GM said to me, I don't know if we're going to retain you as a coach. We, you know, we're going to kind of evaluate things. And a couple months went by and I then, well, hang on. I mean, you can't keep me hanging like that. So I, I checked out what else can I do? Hockey's all I really know. And I went, wait, you know, horses, what can you do with horses? And I didn't want to be a sure because my back uh, is not great. And uh, so I enrolled in uh, equine dentistry and got certified. And that was, that was 38 years old when that went down. And I was a terrible student as a kid, probably because of my anxiety and depression issues. So for me to go to school at 38 and, and, you know, uh, study and go through all the classes. And that was a big accomplishment for me. And, uh, you know, yeah, I started a, a equine practice of dentistry and chiropractic. And then uh, I, and I wasn't out of the game long. I mean, I did get another coaching job. And uh, ironically, it was, uh, you know, as a goalie coach in the NHL. And I, I coached with, I think, four different NHL teams for 20 years or so. But I always kept my practice going. I would do it in the off season. So, I've been fortunate. And and like I mentioned too, working with the animals uh, is very therapeutic for me. You know, you're helping an animal. I mean, we all know what it's like to have a toothache. It hurts and horses get bad teeth sometimes. And uh, like I I did an extraction yesterday and we can only sedate the the horse for a certain amount of time because too much uh, drugs could, uh, could probably kill the horse. So uh, we were at the clinic and, and, uh, we didn't get the tooth out. We got it real loose. So when I'm done with this podcast, I'm heading down to the clinic and we're going to have another crack at it. But it's therapeutic, I guess, working with animals and helping them. Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely awesome. But And you showed us, a, I 
only got a couple more for you, but you showed us a view the other day, which we thought was just awesome. Is that where you actually do auto work on your property or where was that view you showed us? That was on my property. Um, it's, uh, I got a little ranch here with horses and goats and dogs and cats and you know it's more of a hobby hobby ranch but uh yeah i do i do some work out of my barn uh people haul horses into me but for the most part i'm mobile or go down to the uh, veterinarian clinic and 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 like i'll do today yeah it's and the reason i bring that up is because when we shared the uh, viewing besides the live feed one of the compliments we got or the feed, fan feedback anyway, was, holy cow, look at his his view. That's just unbelievably awesome. I am blessed to live where I do. And it kind of happened uh, by accident where I'm, I am. I'm in the Reno, uh, Lake Tahoe area, northern Nevada. And, you know, it's a beautiful valley and Lake Tahoe and the Sierra Mountains are, are right there. And uh, uh, I kind of ended up here. I was doing, I was, Oh man, I was, I was living in Idaho. I was coaching up there, but I was still doing the dentistry and I was coming down here because I had some clients down here and the veterinarians down here said, why don't you just move here? And I kind of thought about it and went, yeah, you know what? I love the Valley. It's beautiful. So that's how I ended up here. It was uh, basically kind of being recruited by veterinarians. Were you, uh, did you end up finding a property pretty quickly or how was that process for you? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty quick. I mean, the, the Valley was, uh, um, the, the market was high at that time. And that's the unfortunate thing. I, I bought, a, <laughs> I bought a, I bought a fixer upper and put a lot of time and effort in and, uh, digging fence post holes and putting up fence and clearing uh, sagebrush and, you know, b- basically gutted the house and redid it. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very humble house. It's a two bedroom, two bath, you know, it's 1200 square feet. So it's not like, uh, people think a former hockey player would be living in a, big fancy house. It's nothing like that, but I do have property and I do, uh, my property, uh, backs to, uh, what they call BLM land Bureau of land management. So it's government land and it'll, it'll never be built on. It's there uh, forever. So my property borders that. So, uh, I'll never have a house built behind me or anything like that to spoil a view. Well, I do want to mention this because obviously we've talked about your public speaking and stuff. Uh, I, if I'm going to put a link to it with the public viewing of this or listening to this, I should say, is if you want to hear some of uh, Clint's stuff as far as public speaking and all is concerned, check out his TED Talk from Carson City. It's very informative talking about his story. But also he mentioned it here. Check out his book. And I was on there this morning. You could see it on Amazon, both Canadian version, which he brought this up the other day. The Crazy Game is the title, where here in the U.S., where we're both at currently, it's a matter of inches. I know you said you didn't like the name Matter of Inches, but how has the reception of the book been? Oh, uh, um, within a couple months, it was a bestseller in Canada. So, uh, and, and that's the other thing I touched on a little bit about the speaking in the book is, and, and uh, being of service is I get so much feedback from people, uh, you know, saying, oh my God, thank you. I, I was 
doing this all by myself, living in this dark place. And after reading your book, I'm going to go see a doctor and get help. And, and so that, that for me, it, uh, it made me realize, and I was getting tons of uh, emails when the book first came out and I went, wow, there's a lot of Clint Larchucks out there, meaning a lot of people that are struggling with depression and anxiety and, and other mental health issues. And, you know, I, I knew people struggled, but I didn't realize to the depth that I was because later on, you know, I, I'm a suicide survivor. And the other one was uh, an accidental overdose. Okay. That's why I want to make clear. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Uh, so being a suicide survivor and getting the feedback and helping people, that gratification, it's really the thing that uh, motivates me the most it is, 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 and the pub, you know, when you public speak and people come up after and they're in tears or hugging and um, thanking you and you know, you've, you've helped them. And um, you know, I've had people tell me that they've been suicidal and that they read my book and, you know, got out of that hole or they heard me speak and, you know, went and got help. So I know for a fact that I've saved lives and that's pretty powerful uh, stuff for me right there. And that's a good way to end this. And I'll put it this way, folks. And I said this in the beginning, but it is awesome to see, knowing Clint's story, how impressive it is that he is in a good spot now. Mind you, as he mentioned, and he is 100% right, you do have to work at it. But like I said, going to include the TED Talk link on here. Check out the book if you get an opportunity. Clint, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. <laughs> With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hey guys, it's Candace Michelle, and I'm so excited to be a part of Crazy Train Radio. I hope you guys tune in to this live interview.